It's the 7 o'clock hour, and you're listening to the Morning Blitz. Oh, are we on the air? Sort of, yeah. Rick Corey. That's right. Had... Keep trying to get out of it. I... Brees Hulse. <laughs> Bryce Hulse. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> Coming to you from the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio on the Blitz 1170. And it is 6.55. Coming up, we are going to be talking to Byron Flam about an hour from now. He's the head basketball coach at Metro Christian. We like to talk a little high school basketball, and we are in playoff time. And then at 8.45 this morning, Josh Fields from Oklahoma State Baseball. We're always taking your text here as well at 918-262-5072. That's the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line. All right, we'll have some not sports for you in a second. But first of all, we need to give the microphone to Bryce. Fire up you, Lewis, for a trip back in time. It's today in sports history with Bryce Hulse on the Blitz 1170. Brought to you by Triad Eye Institute. Now, grabbing the back of a Jeep while on his skateboard, it's Bryce Hulse. This day in sports history, February 20th, 1887, the International Association, the first minor league baseball association, is organized in Pittsburgh. 1919, Foundation NHL Club Toronto Arenas are permitted to cease operations due to financial difficulties, later become Toronto St. Patrick's and then the Maple Leafs. 1926, Montreal and Ottawa battle out just the second 0-0 tie in NHL history. Dominant goalies are Clint Benedict for the Maroons and Alex Connell for the Senators. 1951, the the College Point shaving scandal prompts Long Island University to drop basketball and all other intercollegiate sports. LIU revives basketball in 1957. 1953, U.S. Court Appeals rules that organized baseball is a sport and not a business, affirming the 25-year-old Supreme Court ruling. 1958, L.A. Coliseum approves two-year pact allowing Dodgers to use the facility. 1963, the Chicago Cubs put into their radical College of Coaches system and hire Bob Kennedy as manager. Under Kennedy, the Cubs will sport a respectable record of 82-80 and 80 this season. 1963, after leading the San Francisco Giants to the pennant the previous season, Willie Mays becomes the highest-paid player in baseball, signing a $100,000 contract. 1966, the American League officially announces the hiring of Emmett Ashford, who will become the first black umpire in Major League history. 1974, Gordie Howe, the NHL's career-scoring leader, comes out of retirement and signs a $1 million four-year contract to play with the Houston Arrows of the WHA and Suns Mark and Marty. 1982, New York Islanders win the then-NHL record 15th straight game. 1983, 25th Daytona 500, third one in the event for Cale Yarborough, first time an in-car camera goes into victory lane before a national CBS Sports audience. 1984, Pedro Guerrero becomes the highest-paid player in Dodgers history when he signs a five-year, $7 million contract to play in L.A., 1992, this episode of the animated series The Simpsons, entitled Homer at the Bat, gets its first broadcast on Fox. In the episode, Springfield nuclear plant owner C. Montgomery Burns hires a team of Major League ringers in order to win a bet placed on a softball game against a rival businessman. In the end, though, it's the hapless Homer Simpson who saves the day with a walk-off hit-by-pitch. A number of contemporary Major League stars, many of them future Hall of Famers, lend their voices and likeness to the show, which is considered one of the classic episodes of the series. 1993, New York Islanders retire Billy Smith's number 31. 1997, Houston's Akeem Olajuwon becomes the 15th player in NBA history to score 23,000 career points and a 107-97 win over Toronto. 1997 as well, San Francisco Giants' Barry Bonds signs a record $22.9 million two-year contract. 2006, Kurt Gowdy, American sportscaster, passes away at 86. 2011, 60th NBA All-Star Game at the Staples Center. 
Kobe Bryant wins his record-tying fourth All-Star Game MVP award, scoring 37 points before his hometown fans and leading the West past the East 148-143. to 143. And 2011 as well, 53rd Daytona 500, 20-year-old Trevor Bain, driving for Woods Brothers Racing, wins to become the youngest Daytona 500 winner. Birthdays today, February 20th, 1937, Roger Penske, race car owner. 1942, Phil Esposito, Hall of Fame Bruins centerman. 1963, Charles Barkley, Hall of Fame Sixer and Suns Forward and TNT Analyst. 1967, Chris Singleton, former Patriots and Dolphins linebacker. 1977, Stephon Marbury, former Knicks and Suns guard. 1983, Justin Verlander, Astros pitcher. 1984, Brian McCann, former Braves and Astros catcher. 1994, Forrest Lamp, former Chargers guard. And 1994 as well, Louis Severino, Yankees pitcher. And that is This Day in Sports History, brought to you by Triad Eye Institute. And we appreciate that. Thank you very much, Triad. It is 6.59. Now it's time for us to look at a little not sports across the world. You know, we've had a lot of these Guinness Book of World Records lately, and some of them you look at, like the dude who put up the matches in his nose. <laughs> I saw one quote from him, and and it's it's what you would think where someone said, What's that like? And he goes, eh, not so bad. That was it. <laughs> that was just quote. It's not so bad if you stuff however many matches, matches it was yeah. up his nose. All right, so there's a new one. We have a new world record set by a young girl in Washington. Her name is Sophie Hayden. Any idea what she did? Uh, longest fingernails are always pretty crazy. That is, but no, it's not that. Uh, hers is for number of sweaters worn. She put on 45 sweaters at her local library, and there's a picture of her in the 45 sweaters. And it looks, but you know, if you remember uh, Mike Myers from Austin Powers, yeah, and his character, the other character, yeah. you know, that you know what, yeah, right. <laughs> she looks a little like that. Now you can see her legs, and so it looks like she has bird legs now because she's wearing 45 sweaters. I don't know how in the world, obviously, she even knew that that was the case. She had to make sure, too, that none of them ripped and none mm. of them had been damaged or they wouldn't count. Okay. So uh, the previous record was 40 held by an 11-year-old in France. <laughs> so apparently, I guess what people do is they get the Guinness Book of World Records and they start looking through it thinking, what can I do? Oh, yeah. And for her, it was 45 sweaters at one time. She then took off the sweaters, and they were donated to uh, a charity. Okay? Nice. All right. So we uh, we talk occasionally about, obviously, about entertainment things. I have here the most streamed shows, and this is for mm, last, about the last year. Okay. Okay? Now, according to Nielsen... The most minutes last year, more than 57 billion were spent watching one show. What do you think that show is? Uh, I'll just say The Bear. The Bear. That's one that I hear I hear good things about. Have you watched any of it? No, I, I, I need to, yeah. though. Number one, Suits. Oh, goodness, yeah. 57.7 minutes viewed in billions, okay? And that's the now this here's the thing that was on 2011 to 2019. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, most 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 streamed. Number two, Bluey. I believe that one. Oh uh, yes, now that, that's one that the parents watch with the kids. My granddaughter, hey, uh, Hannah, pardon me, Hannah, the younger of the two, the one, see, she has the older one, Hayden, has autism. The younger one, Hannah, who was adopted, has Downs. Mm -hmm. She loves Bluey. Yeah. 
And it's 43.9 million. Now, Bluey is still being, you know, produced. It's a cartoon, mm-hmm. but it's from 2018 originally. That's number two. Number three, NCIS. Mm, interesting. Which began in 2003. Yeah. Although it's still on. Number four, Grey's Anatomy, which in began in 2005. Mm-hmm. That's still on. It's a good show. Number five, Coco Melon. I get that one too, because again, kids. My nephew loves that one. 2018 and still on. Number six is Big Bang. And it hasn't wow. been produced since 2019. Yeah. Number seven is Gilmore Girls, <laughs> which hasn't been produced since 2007. Number eight is Friends, who went off the air in Ooh. 2004. Never get enough. Number nine is Heartland, which is still on but started in 2007. And number 10 is Supernatural which began yep. in 2005 and ended in 2019. There are a couple surprises in there. Notice what's the type. They're all old. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, you, you know that the way suits, like the numbers they've been doing, you know people who watch that in real time are like, I was here before <laughs> all you people. Like That's got to be like the number one show for that kind of argument right now. You know, but it went out the air in 2019, so it's, that mm, thing's still fairly recent. Yeah, yeah it's, well, it's five years ago. Yeah. Recent. That's five, It's half a decade. My, what the point what the, is? What did, what did COVID do to our brains? Well, the, the point is, feel with like all that. the new stuff being produced, and there is still this new stuff being produced. Now, the yeah. writer strike did something. People watch old stuff, mm-hmm. and and it's just, you, know, you pick your favorite and whatever that old thing is. And apparently, there's a pretty good sweet spot in there. <laughs> yeah. In the early 2000s, I was fascinated by that. Of those, I've seen Bluey because Hannah watches it, and when yeah. we're there at Christmas, I've seen that. I've seen Coco Melon because Hannah watches a little bit of that. Um, we, I mean, we watch Big Bang some at home because it's mm-hmm. something you can put on in the background when you're going about things. For sure. And Lindsay's always loved Friends, although mm-hmm. right now she's not really watching much of anything because everything's, you know, the wiring's a little messy. But, but that was a thing she'd have on a lot, which I'd never seen. And then never seen Friends? I'd never seen it. No. Man. And so I, you know, I saw a few of those with her back, especially right before the surgery and right after, and she was still kind of more with us if you will and she just loved it and, and yeah. christine fell in love because she hadn't <laughs> seen it either man you know so seen some of that one but i thought it was interesting that they were more old mm-hmm. all right so uh, what else is happening well delta i thought this was really cool we know that there's an eclipse coming up and we know that there's going to be a certain area it's going to be pretty wide but there's going to be a certain area in the united states where there are already reporters who have had tickets booked and the whole thing to go and be able to be there when this happens. Well, Delta's doing something really cool. They have created a special flight that will allow the passengers to spend as much time in the path of totality on that April 8th eclipse by following it, basically. Oh, wow. So the flight's going to go with it. It's flight 1218. It's going to leave Austin at 1215 Central Time. And it will arrive in Detroit at 420 Eastern. So that will allow it to kind of follow the eclipse along. So it'll follow the path of totality as long as possible. It's an Airbus A220, so it's got extra large windows and quite a bit of seats. Right now, the tickets are going for $579, and that's one way. (laughs) So you're going to go Austin to Detroit, and you're going to be in the totality, and that's going to be cool, and then you're going to be in Detroit. (laughs) you got to find a way back to Austin. It's about the journey (laughs) more than anything. Well, in this case, it damn sure better be about the journey. Mm -hmm. But as that goes across that part of the country, again, it's a swath that even comes, you know, pretty close to Oklahoma. There's an area up in, I believe it's Indiana, Illinois, when we were driving through at Christmas where one of the hotel owners or one of the hotel desk people told us, because we stay one night on the drive, that we, you know, there's a certain block where you can't get a room there because national crews and local crews have booked rooms to be there 
mm. because it's kind of the heart area of the eclipse. So you can get on that Delta flight if you're interested and you look it up. So have you ever bought something like on eBay because you, it was a piece of history that you kind of liked? No. I have. I've like I bought my 1936 Bell 302 on there, which is a telephone yeah. that, I, that I use to put in my office. That has got kind of a throwback theme, right? Which is kind of cool. Well, a military guy on eBay, kind of an enthusiast, enthusiast found a tank. Yes, believe it or not, it was in a tank. And this tank was kind of similar to what the Iraqi army has used in the past. So he buys this tank on eBay. Yep, exactly. It's a tank, right? It's a Chinese copy of a Soviet T-55. He bought it in 2017, thought it was kind of cool. He was going to put it amongst a collection of stuff he has. So he's going through the tank, and he finds five bars of gold hidden. Oh, my. $2.5 million of gold bars hidden inside this diesel tank. He believed it was looted by Iraqi soldiers who used it during the 1990 invasion of Kuwait and then forgot about it because they'd hidden it or who knows what happened to those soldiers. And so he goes, just kind of going through his tank <laughs> and he finds it hidden in a compartment. But he did do the right thing. He went to authorities to try to kind of figure out what it's all about. Mm. Uh, so I'm just telling you, if you buy a tank on eBay, you just don't know need, what you're going to get. I need get. to get back on eBay. I, <laughs> and and buy, a, buy a tank from the, yeah. from the year 2000. First of all, the first takeaway is you can buy a tank on eBay. Yeah. Yep, apparently you can. Uh, police in Oklahoma City are looking for a woman because she did not like being told that when the sign out front of the restaurant said endless shrimp, mm -hmm. it didn't mean that you couldn't just fill up a bag to go. Uh. So the police department says a man and a woman goes in. They enter this local establishment going on with this, un, you know, this endless shrimp. And they just start smashing plates of shrimp, right? And then they get all full. And then they start, they go up and they ask for more shrimp and they just start filling up a bag. So the employees at the restaurant said, no, 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 that's not how it works. They got sideways with them. A bit of a battle happens. Mm. They, uh, they, you know, they kind of flipped out over that whole fine print. There's this big old, you know, to-do. And um, anyway, they're looking for the woman who decided that she was going to take it out on the, the it's servers. It's a common misconception yeah, of about course the it endless yeah. shrimp, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I always that. thought you could just fill up a bag with endless shrimp and take it with you. <laughs> And if you're a restaurateur and you've ever had a special and you've had to argue with somebody about it, I apologize right there. <laughs> mm -hmm. And this last one, the Montana Army National Guard is apologizing because they used a recruitment poster. And it's got a picture of a guy in the National Guard, and he's standing there, and it's got a picture of his father who served as well. However, there's a background shot of a bunch of other soldiers. Ooh. Well, it turns out that it's uh, <clears throat> those are World War II German Nazi soldiers. Oh, my. In the background. And somebody <laughs> noticed, hey, that doesn't look right. And they brought it up, and the Montana National Guard has just said, oh, we are so, so sorry. <laughs> we, oh, boy. My mind was going mm. towards, okay, maybe somebody was, like, flipping the bird yeah, or no, something. No, 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 no. Nope, These were just... Nazi troops in the background. And wow. they're, you know, we are, we are so sorry. We didn't mean that. And mm -hmm. kind of backtracking. And again, this goes back to... Probably somebody who just didn't, you know, hey, we'll search the internet and find a picture of some soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, can't tell the difference there? No, you gotta, you gotta pay some attention. <laughs> All right, some birthdays today. Miles Teller, remember, uh, from Top Gun. Big time. You know, yeah, Biggie's big time mm -hmm. right about now. He's had a lot of things going on right yeah. about now. He is only 37 years old. Cindy Crawford, the model, is 58 years old. Trevor Noah. Mm -hmm. 
from The Daily Show is 40 years old today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Shue from Melrose Place is uh, 57 today. Uh, let's see here. Um, boy, I say I could say Peter Strauss, but you wouldn't know who he is. He's 77 years old today. Uh, who else? Chelsea Peretti. I think she's a riot. She's from Brooklyn Nine Nine. She's yeah. also married to Jordan Peele, which I did not. I was not aware of. She's only, she's 46 years old today. I've seen her stand up act. It's actually pretty good. But she herself is pretty funny. For music, Rihanna. How old do you think Rihanna is? Uh, 39. 36. Uh, Brian Latrell, the Backstreet Boys, one of your favorites, I'm sure. Uh, 49 years old. <laughs> Tell me why. Uh, uh, no, please don't. Right. Uh, Coy uh, Bowles from the uh, Zach Brown Band, the guitarist, he's 45 years old today. Country singer Leland Martin is 67 years old. And that's a look at Not Sports here on the Blitz 1170. 7-11, he is Bryce Hulse. I'm Rick Corr. We're in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. And by the way, if you buy tickets to an Oilers game, even if you buy those really inexpensive seats, do not fear. We will call those ticket numbers, at least a few, during every game, and we'll do the Blitz upgrade. We will take you from those seats wherever they may be, and we're going to put you right down by the ice. It's the Blitz Upgrade. Happens every home game from the Tulsa Oilers and the Blitz 1170. Don't look now, but the Blitz is on TikTok. Follow along at the Blitz 1170. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. Last night, it was a big Monday in the Big 12. A second-ranked Houston beat sixth-ranked Iowa State 73-65. The Cyclones out-rebounded Houston but compiled 15 turnovers. Jabal Shedd had led the Cougars with 26 points. And on the women's side in the Big 12 tonight, the 23rd-ranked Oklahoma Sooners will be on the road at Cincinnati as they try to sustain first place in the conference. Tip-off for that one is at 5 o'clock. And William Byron snapped the Hendrick Motorsports 9-race Daytona 500 losing streak with a huge win on Monday after the race had a rain delay on Sunday. The last Hendrick driver to win the t- Daytona was Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 2014. That's the Winter World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holson, the Butts 1170 and streaming on the Butts 1170 app. is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? Call us up at 918-879-1170. We want to hear from you. Always do, as a matter of fact. We're in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. That's Bryce Hulse. I am Rick Corey. And we also have a Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line you can hit anytime at 918-262-5072. As a matter of fact, Michael just did, and he was spurred by the story we had about streaming numbers. Because the streaming numbers from last year are almost all older shows. Or shows that even though they might still be produced, they began a long time ago. And some of those just aren't even being produced. And he says, Michael sends this text saying, my 11-year-old daughter and her friends are obsessed with Gilmore Girls for some reason. Mm. Now, I will say, I know what it is. I've never seen an episode. Yeah. But when we were at, in California this last year, we we didn't do we didn't go to Disney and like we've done that almost every year. But we didn't do that, or Universal or any of those things. And I still you know, let's do something a little different. So we went over and did the Warner Brothers tour. I do think it's interesting touring those things and seeing some of the history that you've seen. We went down the road, you know that they the that the initial chase scene is, was shot from in um, uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, wow. Where Jeff Goldblum is on the back of the Jeep, must go faster, must go j- faster, <laughs> and the T-Rex is chasing them. It's actually about a block long, and they had to go to one end and turn around and go the other way and turn around and go the other way and just had to go back and forth to film the scene. And they told us, as a matter of fact, they said, if you watch, watch, and they showed us, they, they told us the place 
to watch on the screen, and they actually showed it on the little, you know, they've got little screens on the, the little carts they take you around on. And it says, take a look right there and watch. And you could see the switch of the sides in one of the shots. At any rate, one of the things they did there is they have that gazebo that I guess was big in Golden Girl, or pardon me, in Gilmore Girls. And when we pulled up to it, Delaney was excited. My youngest, <laughs> 20, she's 26, but she was excited. And apparently he's a big, big fan. Anyway, yeah. uh, so he says his daughter, 11-year-old daughter, and their friends are obsessed with it. And, I, you know, my, my youngest thinks it's cool, too. He said, I just finished Big Bang for the second time, and my wife is currently plowing through friends. So all the things we talked about, that's what they're watching at their home. Yeah. In the average home, that's why the streaming numbers are so big. He also added, I think he's right here, he said, a lot of people I know started watching Friends when Matthew Perry passed away. And that's probably true. Yeah, that's probably true. When that kind of thing happens, it kind of brings it back to the front of your mind. And maybe you want to go see his performances. And he's fantastic in the show. They're all fantastic in the show. Uh, You know, the story of when we were there, you know, know, we got to go into uh, and sit down at uh, Central Perk. You know, and they actually mm-hmm. have the couch. They take you through, and you have the couch. They have, they have the doors from Big Bang. They have Penny's door and Leonard and Sheldon's door, and you can stand and knock on the doors and all this kind of stuff as you go through. And Penny, so I've got a picture Penny. of the girls. Yeah, yeah, Penny, 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 Penny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they got the picture of the girls sitting on the couch and all that. Well, at that point, Christine hadn't watched a lot of it, but Lindsay had watched a lot, and she was very excited about it. And they had a cup of coffee there, you know, and so mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, which was kind of fun. But I didn't realize Delaney was so into Gilmore Girls. She got very excited about seeing the gazebo and some of the other so things she, there. She on, got that reference. Oh, right? Yeah, on the Wonder <laughs> Tour, yeah. So thank you for texting, Michael. Isn't it interesting? You know, and if, if you want to send us a text right now, what it is you're streaming or binging, I my, I don't have time to binge anything, honest to goodness. You know, between the drives and things like that, and then when we get home trying to get the evening started and our bedtimes, I just don't have time for any of that. So I don't know that there's anything special. Is there something special you stream consistently? Uh, one that I've been watching recently is Community, uh, which was on, you know, one of the networks, again, a few years ago and has been popular on Netflix. What is it it's, about? It's a, it's a sitcom about a community college. It has... Um, Oh gosh, Joel McHale. Oh yeah, in it. Yeah, 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 he's in it. Donald Glover, a Chevy Chase is in it as well, and they play all different characters and, and uh, different students in that. Um, but what's funny is I'm using my parents' Netflix, and now <laughs> and now, but here's the thing about Netflix is they've gotten a hold of you know if you're not at the location, mm-hmm. then you can't. And so I've lost that one. I've got logged out of my Hulu, so it's like <laughs> one. One of these days, Rick, I might have to actually start paying for my own subscriptions. Well, we we had the same problem with the Laney was using ours, our Netflix down there in College Station. Yeah. Well, they said the same thing, and she sent us a text one day. The the <clears throat> I can't say what she said. Found out about me. <laughs> <laughs> so we just bought her. You can for I think it's eight dollars if you are the host account, and we are for I think it's eight bucks. We pay. We can have her added, and she can watch it at a different location. Oh, cool. Which it wasn't bad. Um, and Christine went and looked at it, and we were apparently paying for the 4K package or some garbage like that. And, mm. hell, we don't have a 4K TV. So we stopped paying for that package, and it was magically $8. Oh. So we just added right, her. Right. We added mm-hmm. her, took the other away. Nothing changed. And she can watch Netflix, and there's something she's watching on it right now. Um, I think the only thing – right now the only thing we're watching, and it's not on a – Certainly not on a nightly uh, basis, but it's only murders in the building. And mm-hmm. we're just now season three. Yeah, we're in season three. And we don't, we may watch like one a week, 
Yeah. You know, it just, but that's, that's mm-hmm. it as far like as the way it used to be, right? If you would call a series, <laughs> we'll week, yeah, yeah. time wise, you know, to that kind of thing. And I, you know, I thought the first year of that was really rough and I thought they got much better in year two. And I think they're really kind of hitting a stride in year three. The three of them have great interactions. I mean, you're talking about Selena Gomez, Steve Martin and Martin Short, and oh, all of them are so different when it comes to personalities. It makes it really fun. At any rate, all that to say, you know, those streaming TV numbers apparently got some attention. Thank you, Michael. And if there's something you're watching at home that's not in any of those things or you're particularly interested in, let us know. We'll pass along to pass along to everybody at 918-262-5072 our Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma Tech Center. All right, we need to do our gas or break segment here at 717. He is Bryce Hulse. I am Rick Corey. Who around the country are you loving and who are you just not? Has your team or favorite player been constantly pressing the accelerator, left lane, hammer down style, or spending all their time in the right lane? Move over, Grandma. You get to help us choose every week when we bring you Gas or Breaks. 722, it's time right now. Who are the hottest teams? Who are the worst teams? Who is playing great, and who are you ready to just throw off a cliff? I'm Rick Corey. He is Bryce Hulse. You'll take your text at 918-262-5072 as well. You can let us know where you're heading. You know what? I'll gonna, I'm going to start. And I'm going to start with a team that I think I don't think you will probably even I don't know maybe you're in that in that realm or not. The hottest team right now in sports, in my opinion, as of just a couple of days ago, are the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm. Cleveland okay. is 18 and two since January, and they, it's I mean you know, quietly, slowly. Yeah. We kind of don't pay attention. You look at the Thunder. We watched the All-Star game and cried about how they weren't very good. But as of right about now, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I know I knew they'd been playing fairly well. Had not seen an awful lot about lately. They're killing people. Absolutely yeah. killing people and still doing it somewhat under the radar. Now, I'm not as big an NBA guy as I am a football guy, but I understand a hot streak. And right now, to me, it's those guys in Cleveland. Who's on your hot streak? Right now, my hot streak is the Houston Cougars uh, in the Big 12. Uh, a big win last night against Iowa State in just an absolute fist fight. You know, I th- really think that was one of those games where beforehand the refs had to be like, okay, if they're, we really need to be sure on what is a foul in this game mm-hmm. because you need to let these teams play in a situation like this. They are physical. They're bad on the boards. Uh, they just beat you up, up and down. And I think that it's going to be a pretty big statement that they're looking to make to be able to come into this conference and try and win that regular season title. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a lot of Houston fans out there that probably bookmarked some tweets from uh, KU <laughs> fans and Baylor fans and uh, people from those teams. And when you get to the tournament, anything can happen. But you know, mm-hmm. last night, them beating Iowa State 73-65 is a big win. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it kept them just just ahead of everybody else out there, which is a big deal, big deal for them. Tonight's game, BYU and Baylor, that's, a, that's an important game as well. And then Tech as well, who has jumped back into the race, and they're 23rd. They play tonight against TCU. All right, so that that is who I'm on board for. That is who Bryce is on board for. Now I'm going to hit the brakes, and I'm going to anger some people here, but I'm going to do it on Oklahoma. Uh, they've just been too inconsistent lately. You've heard Porter Mosier talk about trying to maintain the intensity in the second half. And, you know, I wondered the other day, Bryce, anytime you do what Porter has done, and, and they've kind of magically replaced, I mean, a lot of people, and they and he made the parts work so well together early in the year that I was really shocked. I mean, it's he kind of taught a lesson early in the year on how to portal yourself a team and then have them actually perform really well together. 
Yeah. Lately, it's been a lot more really good, really not so good. Great, uh, kind of. And, you know, he's talking about everybody wants to get better. He's talking about everybody's paying attention. He's not displeased with effort or anything. It's just execution hasn't been mm-hmm. there. And I asked myself the question, so when you portal a team together like this, you do a magnificent job of melting everybody together, and he did. But does there come later in the season when people get tired and worn down a little bit that you don't know what kind of a player they are then? And then mm-hmm. it starts to affect your mix and your lineup, where early everybody's healthy and, for the most part, everybody's you know fresh. Now you've yeah. been through the conference. You know, you're into the – I mean, this is a grind. January and February in conference is a grind. Mm-hmm. You're traveling to places, and it's cold and all the time, and it's hard, and you're you're missing a lot of time, and you're on the road a bunch. And, you know, you don't sleep as well sometimes when you're out like that. And now, as everybody wears down a little, do they mix differently? Somebody's got more energy. Somebody has a little less. And you're having to learn way more about them now. It's one thing to know them when they're fresh, and it's another thing to know them now. I just wonder if that's having any effect on what's happening at Oklahoma. Yeah, I think that definitely is. And when you think about their game against Kansas, they were missing Hughley mm-hmm. and Soares. There's that issue of trying to stay healthy. I th- also thought that yesterday uh, – John Holcomb brought up a pretty good point from Bedlam uh, in Norman, and I think this is what's been happening with OU just more recently in any of their games. I think they've been playing a little bit tight. I think Mm -hmm. they are in a position now where it's like, okay, you have a chance to really up your seating and try not and fall out of uh, fall out of the NCAA tournament or fall into that you know last yep. four in situation. I think they've been playing tight, knowing that that's kind of what the pressure lies on. Yeah, and too, that's something else you don't really know about them early on. You don't know how they're going to play when things are related. I mean, you've probably seen some film of them mm-hmm. before. I mean, you wouldn't not you wouldn't just take a guy. You, you're going to go look at him. But that still is different than being in a room with them when it comes down to it. But that's I'm hitting the brakes right now in Oklahoma, and I hate to say that because I love what he did with them earlier, and I'm still pulling for him. But I am. Yep. What about you? Staying in the Big 12, a team that was very good last year, made it to an Elite Eight, but this year has just been very disappointing, especially down the stretch, and that's Kansas State. Uh, Jerome Tank's oh, squad have, yeah. was was very good last year. Again, he had to hit the portal, um, but now you get Tyler Perry, who's the sharpshooter from Shiloh, Oklahoma, played his years at North Texas, and then comes into Kansas State, uh, was really helping them out early on. But they have lost seven out of their last eight, have lost a lot of disappointing games down the stretch. And one th- kind of funny thing that maybe Wildcats can look at as a positive in some ways, right in the middle of the pack, that one win in the last eight games was at home in the Sunflower Showdown against Kansas. So maybe that's yeah. a little bit of a bright spot. But other than that, uh, they are looking at the NIT this year. You know, and you, you look at the Jerome Tang's ascension last year, and, I mean, they were crowning him in Manhattan, and he did a really good job. Oh, and, goodness. you know, maybe holding it together as best you can with what you have this year. Mm-hmm. But it, it, those stars go up and down. And, that, and that's why, honestly, I don't ever have a problem with a coach who takes advantage of his apex point and gets himself a deal. Now, whether Tang did or didn't behind the scenes or whatever, I don't have a clue. None of my business. But, I mean, had he at that moment fled for some other really high-paying job, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to point fingers because right. it shows you when you hit there. You know, I, One of the biggest examples is when Dave Raider's 91 team won the uh, – Freedom Bowl and beat Marshall Falk. He's getting answer. He's getting you know attention from Baylor out of the big. Were they still the eight or the twelve at that point? Hell, it's a long time ago. Ninety six was when they started the twelve. It was ninety. So. Yeah, okay. So they were the big eight in ninety one. Yeah. I mean, he's getting attention from places like that, and he's getting offers from places like that, and he turned it down to be loyal, and then suddenly, then you mm. went the other direction. <laughs> he ends up fired. 
Yeah. Now he went on to be at Alabama and other places, and you know, and he's now back and in, in really involved in the program. And I'm very glad about that. But there's a guy. He was loyal. He did what mo- we all want people to do: be loyal, be loyal. It didn't pay off mm-hmm. in the long run. And you can but, say, well, you, you know, you should have done a better job. But you know, situations at schools and you know what they did over there and taking some things away and and some of the degree programs, which allowed some players not to be in school, it created some of the most lean times. And there was one president who wanted to kill football. It was a goal, uh, but didn't get it done. But anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, that just tells you when a guy's at a peak and you wonder if someone like Jerome Tang doesn't look around and go, maybe. And, <laughs> but but he seems happy. I'm not saying that's what he was thinking. Yeah. But I agree with you. It's too bad for them. But, hey, again, when you get in this tournament, who knows? All, all bets are off. I think I think that's one thing that when, you th- when I talk about Houston – I don't think it's a guarantee at all that Houston's going to be the favorite. I don't think it's a guarantee that a team like Iowa State or Kansas would be the favorite. I feel like the Big 12 tournament is always that mm-hmm. tournament where you see the three or four seed make that run they mm-hmm. need to make. Well, and we, we just talked, though. You know, we, we Everybody believes the Big 12 is the best conference in basketball. I'm not sure the SEC isn't closing in on them. Because if you look mm-hmm. at the top, top five teams, you certainly have Houston in there from the Big 12. Uh, and then, you know, you have Tennessee in there from the SEC. You have Arizona, who's about to join the Big 12, but right now isn't, of course. You have Purdue from the Big 10, and you have UConn, who looks to me, personally, to be far and away better than everybody else. I think it's UConn up here, and you drop about five spots, and you get to everybody else. (laughs) Not saying they can't lose, but I'm saying right up here. Then you got Iowa State, then Marquette, then Duke, Kansas, and North Carolina. So you do have a couple of more Big 12s in the top 10 than you do SECs. But then you get into the bottom 10, the SEC has five teams. And the Big 12 has three. They're pretty balanced, those two leagues now, between, you know, overall who's ranked. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, is the Big 12 still the best conference, or does the SEC close down on them? Uh, I mean, the top half in the SEC, I think there's a little bit more parity in in a good way. Mm -hmm. But I I always kind of look at from top to bottom. And it's when you look at the bottom teams in the SEC as opposed to the bottom teams in the Big 12. You know, West Virginia's they have a couple of wins, and they faced – Kansas, they've beaten Texas, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State is at the bottom. I think they're next to last now because West Virginia mm-hmm. took that bottom spot. Uh, whereas when you look at the bottom in the SEC, Vanderbilt, Missouri, and then Arkansas, like there are multiple teams that are just horrid. Mm-hmm. Whereas, <laughs> whereas when you're looking at OSU and West Virginia, I mean those teams are giving fits to some of the newcomers, having them thinking, you know, gosh, we we were sort of facing the bottom teams in the WCC or the ACC or AAC. I mean. It's it's a different ball game, I think. Well, in fairness, there are more teams over there. True, you know? true. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've got a more opportunity, and there's no chance anybody thought Arkansas would be, in your words, horrid. Yeah. <laughs> Arkansas fans, his name is Bryce. Uh, Sorry. Let's, let's be honest, they're not very good. Mm. Who, nobody thought they'd be down there, and it really is unusual to see Missouri down there. I mean, we're, I'm used to the Missouris of Norm Stewart that Bill Self talked about, and they were always <laughs> really good basketball teams, but mm-hmm. they have not traditionally been lately. So I, yeah. I understand your point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think if you eliminate the teams, if you just match numbers and go up, I think it's really close. Oh, yeah. At any rate, uh, they're, they're playing really well. All right, 733 on the Blitz 1170. Coming up at 750, Byron Flam. He is the Metro Christian uh, basketball coach. We'll talk to him. Brian Fan, pardon me. Got that one right. And then we're going to be talking to Josh Fields from Oklahoma State Baseball just over an hour from now right here on the Blitz 1170. The Blitz text line is always open, 918-262-5072. You can text us anything you want at any time. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. 
Last night, it was a big Monday in the Big 12. A second-ranked Houston beat sixth-ranked Iowa State. Iowa State had 15 turnovers in the game. Jamal Shedd led the Cougars with 26 points. Tonight in Big 12 basketball, it's UCF at West Virginia at 6. Then at 8, it's TCU at 23rd-ranked Texas Tech and 11th-ranked Baylor at 25th-ranked BYU. And William Byron snapped the Hendrick Motorsports nine-race Daytona 500 losing streak with a huge win on Monday after the race had a rain delay on Sunday. The last Hendrick driver to win the Daytona was Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 2014. That's the Wonder World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holson on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. The Blitz 1170 weather provided by Community Care, your locally owned health plan. Blitzing up your mornings. This is the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Want to get in the game? You can always join in by texting us at 918-262-5072. Rick Corey and Bryce Halsey is in the next room. We're in the Tulsa Oilers hockey studio here. We have another text here on our neuropathy treatment of Oklahoma text line at 918-262-5072. This comes from phone number 1965, and it goes back once again to talking about the, we were talking about the most streamed television shows. Almost all of them began in the early 2000s many of them ended several years ago a couple of them are still going on but they were it was a bit surprising to me and especially that suits which has been off the air for five years was the most streamed 57 billion minutes of suits was streamed so this at 1965 he says all creatures great and small on prime four seasons great show about small farm vets in england and scotland Mm. you ever heard of it no i haven't heard of it (laughs) I've heard of the name. I thought it was a series, not coming. Kind of, apparently, this is real. You know, it's uh, kind of real. Re, at least I'm assuming that's real. Um, I, that sounds like something that would be real. Anyway, so I hadn't seen that one. It said also the woman in the wall. I've not heard of that. And then Fargo. Now Fargo, I've heard of because it was the movie first, and then they came back yeah. and made the series. It says season five. Both of those are really, really good shows. Thank you for the advice there. All creatures great and small. I've just heard of that, but I have to take a look at it. It's seven forty on the Blitz eleven seventy. Okay, as I mentioned, we'll get into some high school basketball here in a minute with Brian Flam of Metro Christian. I wanted to go through Steve Sarkeesian's contract at Texas. <laughs> Man, this mm. is holy cow. They really should send Nick Saban a cut. And, you know, I, Saban had to know when he retires this is going to happen. Not that he cares. It's not his thing. It's not his problem. Not his job to, to protect anybody else's job. But Sark, I mean, coaches around the country who even got mentioned, and I'm talking about legitimately mentioned for that job, then they, the, their ADs, their presidents, their, you know, whoever, had to come flowing in. So Sark got this ridiculous deal. That includes two cars, and I'm guessing they aren't used. <laughs> yeah. Pretty pristine. Use of a private jet anytime mm. he wants. Mm. Game tickets, well, of course. A country club membership. Do nice. all coaches play golf? Apparently. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Why and, not? And then in 2024, he's going to make 10.3 mil. 2025, 10.4. Let's just go year to year. Then it's 10.5, then 10.6, then 10.7, then 10.8, and then 10.9. And that goes up to 20.30. So that's that's not a bad haul for coaching college football. Two cars, a private jet, game tickets, country club membership, and more than $10 million a year from 24 through 30. And you have got to hope to God if you're a Texas fan, he doesn't lay an egg. 
Yeah, that that's quite a jump, especially from last year. Mm-hmm. For context, he was reportedly making five point six million last year, which isn't bad. Which is in it bad, but it's less than Kansas's Lance Leipold, <laughs> Pitts, Pat Narduzzi. That's a doozy. UCLA's Chip Kelly and Minnesota's PJ Fleck. You mean Ohio State's Chip Kelly, their yeah. offensive coordinator? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the time. Well, and you heard the story I write about Georgia State's head coach who just mm. left to go to South Carolina. I think it was South Carolina to be a tight ends coach. Oh, yeah. Dude was the head coach at Georgia State, which, by the way, has got a pretty doggone good tradition in football. Mm-hmm. But it is, a, a few years ago. it is a better job to be the tight ends coach, and I think he has a recruiting title too there, than it is to stay at Georgia State. And he did it right at the beginning of spring ball. Just gone. And if you think for a second, I saw a couple of reports that said, look, this is this is going to happen more and more. The Chip Kelly's from head coach to coordinator, because in his opinion, that's a better gig. Yeah. Or a head coach to a tight ends coach at a place like South Carolina. Again, I believe it's South Carolina. Because suddenly that's a better gig. It's an interesting change. What from, world are we living in? Well, well, Honest to God. You understood a little bit more whenever you'd see head coaches like the Boston College head coach who goes to be the Packers coordinator and you'd see situations where it's like okay, they're leaving the college game. Even if it's just a coordinator position in the NFL they're getting away from the college game. Is is there still like just as much of a difference? Maybe not just as much, but close to being as much of a difference just by getting away from that head coaching title and becoming a position coach or a coordinator in the college game, does it just alleviate so much pressure in this new day and age? Because I feel like you'd still have to deal with so much of the same crud. Yeah, and and Sean Elliott there at Georgia State, he had taken them to uh, to four bowl games. They've had five consecutive winning seasons. They were were playing well. He's got apparently he had personal ties to South Carolina. Um, something about family there and that kind of thing, but you left a head coaching position at a minor at a minor school yeah. to go to where you know he knows that when the big end of you know end times comes in college athletics and there's they and there's yeah. everyone else that a team in the SEC is going to be they and yeah. Georgia State's going to be everyone else. And maybe that, and who knows, maybe the money's even better. Maybe the pressure's less. But to your point, yes, we're seeing a lot more of, you know, guys like, okay, so it's a better job to be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State than it is to be the head coach at UCLA. And I think we all knew he was going to get fired or many thought he would be last year. But not just that, going to be, you know, leaving a head coaching job to be Mm -hmm. an assistant in the NFL because, hey, I don't have to deal with it. Yeah. No, but I like your perspective on this Georgia State thing because that's the thing is, He's probably having to go through a situation every off season mm-hmm. where, again, you think it's hard trying to recruit your own players in the SEC. I oh, mean, God, yes. I, if I have a good season, my players are probably going to get poached left and right. Whereas, again, it's security going to the South Carolina for when this eventually gets into a power three, maybe power two type mm-hmm. uh, uh, division. Yes, because you know what's left of the pack. 10 or 12 or whatever they're going to, I mean, I don't know what they're going to call it. Right. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. The two pack, whatever's left of that, which now is just Oregon state, Washington state. I mean, if you're there, they are that they are in right now in athletics, the bubble teams that mm-hmm. you would have in basketball right now. They're the last two out, if you will, because if they do what they, what we all, well, when they do what we all know they're going to do, they're going to take those two. They're state schools. They're, they they yeah. have money. Yeah, they they have tradition. Some at least, they're going to get left out. 
I mean, if, so I mean, if you're a guy like him, like Sean Elliott, hey, at least I'm going to get my place in, where the big boys dance because yep. that's where the money's going to go. And being the tight ends coach and hopefully having a chance to work my way up here is better than being down there and having to fight that fight every day. Mm-hmm. And, and then there are the guys who are going to be fl- fleeing from the college jobs overall to go to the NFL because they don't have to worry yeah. with all that, plus NIL. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, we are living in strange times. 746 on the Blitz 1170. We are in the times of high school basketball playoffs. Let's talk about that with Metro Christian's Brian Flam. We'll do it next right here on the Blitz 1170. The Blitz 1170, your new home for Rich Eisen. From the Oklahoma Sports Desk, it's time for a two-minute drill on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. Last night in college softball, Carly Godwin hit a three-run homer, and Lexi Kilfoyle threw a complete game shutout to help the sixth-ranked OSU Cowgirls beat the 16th-ranked Florida Gators 3-0. The Cowgirls will be at Stetson on Wednesday. The 23rd-ranked Oklahoma Sooners women's basketball team will be on the road at Cincinnati tonight as they try and sustain first place in the Big 12. Tip-off for that one is at 5 o'clock. And tonight in Big 12 men's basketball, it's UCF at West Virginia at 6. Then at 8 o'clock, it's two games, TCU at 23rd-ranked Texas Tech and 11th-ranked Baylor at 25th-ranked BYU. That's the Wonder World of Tulsa 2-Minute Drill. I'm Bryce Holst on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.